battling daily whip fever? Sadly, there is no cure, only treatment. More whips. This podcast is brought to you by the Trinity Whip Company, proudly bringing you traditionally made kangaroo whips with top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function, handcrafted by Blake Brunning. You can find them at www.trinitywhipco.com. This is the Fedora Chronicles Network. This is the Fedora Chronicles radio show, number 64, and I'm your host, Eric Render King Fisk. This time I interview Retrospect Station's very own Holly Gonzalez, diesel punk author and advocate for retrocentric people everywhere. We discuss the various aspects of retro punk, especially steam and diesel. And what is it about diesel punk that she likes more? We also talk about where she and her husband find the incredible images that they've archived on their Facebook group, Retrospect Station. Perfect combination of Adam and Ray Pump. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. So yeah, in in the I guess what, what do we want to call it? Do we want to call it what do you call it? Do you call it the the diesel punk community or the retro punk community? Uh, what uh, what branch of slash punk do you consider yourself to be the matron of? You know, for me, it's been uh, kind of, I started out kind of more on the diesel punk side, um, but as I got more and more involved in the whole retro future, for me, it's mostly an art movement and cultural, of course, but uh, I think I qualify a little bit more on the retro punk side. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just really don't follow any, you know, one particular fandom very exclusively. Um, I, uh, and you know, most of my art is either writing or visual art. Most of it's tended to kind of fall in the diesel punk eras. Um, but I do, you know, I do like steampunk a lot. Um, and I'm delving into the atom punk areas as well, which is uh, getting really, really fun. Yeah. Let's just talk about one of my favorite groups on Facebook. And maybe you've heard about it, a Facebook group, Retrospect Station. Because um, the thing is, is that you are able to... Um, scour the introverse, as it were, and and you host some of the most amazing um, visions of future past images that that conjure up images from when I was a young punk. Um, what what started? What was what was the impetus of this? What 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 me what made you want to start this group? Wow, you know. Uh it actually started as a joint venture between my husband Stephen and I, and he's equally on board with the with the retro future thing. Like I am, his uh, his music follows it. Uh, we just basically put our heads together, and uh, you know, we were both members of the Diesel Punk uh, HQ group community, which I love. Uh, you know, and there's some great folks there too. Um, but we wanted to start our own channel slash view, I guess, if you will, um, of retro futurism. Uh, in particular, we wanted to focus really on the more visionary side of things, uh, like you're saying, a lot of vintage sci-fi uh, influence. Uh, we really, really in- like the space uh, science fiction elements of it. Um, you know, some of the more militaristic and uh, things like that are fun too. But um, we've always tried to focus less on like the military or like you know 
some of the more like, you know, a lot of the fandoms have a lot of, you know, pinup type people, things like that. I and mean, we do try to put stuff like that in there on occasion, but we try to really play down guns and uh, half-dressed pinup models on that page. <laughs> As I'm sure you may have seen, we try to keep it very, uh, very visionary. Um, our main goal is to uh, get any creative types, uh, people who are just looking, you know, for new visions of the future uh but we mostly want to inspire people's imaginations and minds uh you know with visions of the past which you know at that time portrayed what they thought the future would be like but uh for us it's just been continually about trying to re-envision uh the future and the past hopefully inspiring artists today in a new medium uh, we've, we've had a lot of really good feedback on that page. Um, gosh, I think we passed 10,000 likes just over the end of last year. We never expected it to go that far. Yeah. So uh, it's been really fun. Um, I admit I haven't really been as active there just the past couple weeks uh, as I should. It's mostly been Steven up there posting things the past few weeks. I've been bad. I've been uh, had my nose buried in, in a work-in-progress novel, so... I haven't been as active there as I should, but uh, that'll change as the as the weeks go on and I get more into the coming year. Well, don't let me forget to ask you about your novel later on, but there's there are so many questions that I've been dying to ask you as far as this group in in particular. Oh, absolutely. Now, what is what is it specifically for you? Do you like so much about the vintage science fiction style images that you have on the group? Wow, you know, uh, I have been a fan of science fiction since I was knee high to grasshopper. I guess uh, my uh, dad pretty was had a huge uh, collection of science fiction books, and he was always uh, taking me to the movies to see those kind of thing. My mom wasn't really into it, so I pretty much grew up with this notion of science fiction, you know, and a lot of his books were the old. You know, and he, and he was a fan of the old uh, writers, you know, Edgar Rice Burroughs, you know, a lot of the, uh, you know, Jules Verne, a lot of the very classic science fiction writers. I grew up with this sort of nostalgic view of science fiction um, and uh, fantasy as well. I've always enjoyed a little bit more of the, you know, a little more of the science fiction side. Uh, so for me, it was kind of a natural progression when I discovered uh, steampunk. Um, steampunk, I really like it, but something about it never really grabbed me, you know, the way that some of these others have. Uh, it's not that I don't enjoy it. It's just that there's something about that particular era that doesn't really grab me as much. Uh, when I discovered diesel punk in November of 2014, I was looking to start writing a novel in a new genre. And I, and I was starting it as steampunk and it just wasn't taking off. I wasn't really getting into it. And then I discovered, wow, there's actually something similar like this, but in the 20s and 30s. And yeah, I, I just absolutely fell in love with it. And uh, it kind of just became a new lifetime obsession for me. Uh, you know, so and from there, you know, I just growing up on all those old movies, uh, you know, the classics, you know, the day the earth stood still, uh, you know, invaders from Mars. A lot of the old classic sci-fi films, you know, favorites like Godzilla, you know, I just, I've always been a geek in that way. Yeah, <laughs> so I hear for you. me, it all just kind of came together 
on its own. Um, and then, of course, when my uh, fictional universe took off and became intricately more complex or and detailed than I ever imagined it would be, then uh, I was lost from there. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you. And the thing is, is that like, I mean, I have a, a, a nostalgia for a lot of the artwork that you that you share and rediscover. It's amazing how it was like you look at a lot of the stuff and it was just like, you know, I, re I remember um, seeing a lot of this stuff back in the back in the uh, the 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 70s and 80s. Um, but so much of of it, it, it just conjures up um, just this beautiful like imagery, as it were. And the thing is, is, is that the the vintage sci fi images that you have, I, I mean, I shouldn't call it sci-fi because I think sci-fi is a, a is a pejorative in some small way. But it was just like all the science fiction images; they all have like a like a like a touch of class to them. Even the even the more I guess you could say the more sexualized stuff, the more hardcore stuff, also has a touch of class to that, as opposed to a lot of the sci-fi images, the science fiction images from the past twenty years. What what do you think is responsible for that? Wow, you know, it, it seems like, uh, you know, of course, I enjoy an attractive person just like anybody else, you know, when I when I see um, art and things like that. But uh, I think people have uh, kind of gotten to a point where maybe uh, the class that you're talking about, um, it almost seems like it's old fashioned. Yeah. Maybe. And I think a lot of people, you know, plus what, what we see all the time in, in our uh, Hollywood movies and on TV, you know. I think society has kind of just gotten to this point where uh, it just seems like nobody's really is interested in more of the uh, the fantastical side of things as much lately. I mean, not really, you know, everything, but I've just noticed a lot when I've, you know, tried to watch some of the newer uh, shows and things like that. It, it seems to be more about, you know, I just could say over sexualized I guess you know it seems to place more emphasis on uh, who's with who or you know who's wearing what not really you know overtly to the point in all of the fandoms but I, I just think that sometimes that bleeds over you know our society seems to place more emphasis on physical appearances rather than maybe what could be yeah I don't know if that makes sense but uh, for me it's always kind of been like that you know and I enjoy, you know, the pinups and, and all the other, uh, you know, kind of physical attractive images I've seen. But, yeah, we've always tried to, like, kind of make our, our retrospection just a place where, you know, that might appear every now and then. But that's really not the main point of what we're trying to inspire people with there. Yeah, because a lot of the work that you feature there, are there's, a, like, a lot of locations. There's a lot of places where that's being depicted and like the sort of like the theme is like every day is like you know like this is this is this is port tuesday and tomorrow is going to be port wednesday and so on whereas it's like yeah. one of the things that i really like is is that it's more about like going to vintage science fiction locations more than anything else and there's the thing is is that there's something about that art that just you know, seems to draw people in, especially myself. That looks like a place that I would really like to be able to go. And I, I don't know. I, I don't know if it has changed for you, but there there used to be a promise of science fiction. There used to be the underlying 
like the science fiction was just a mere placeholder for the day when we are actually going to be able to go out and explore strange new worlds, as it were. And now it seems like it's more about, it, like the science fiction is there for the science fiction's sake. Whereas people have stopped looking forward to being able to voyage out into, out into space. And now it's more about living vicariously through science fiction. Do you, do you also find that that's true? I do, sadly. Um, yeah, that's, uh, it seems like a lot of the, quote, science fiction, uh, just in general over the past several years, maybe even, um, I miss the, um, I guess you could say the visionary aspect of it. Um, you know, we tried to keep that going. I'm, I'm, I like that you and hearing that you enjoy the, uh, the weekly journeys that we have. Yeah. <laughs> so to be, that was actually Steven's idea. He started doing that and it is kind of stuck, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. You know, we try to keep everybody, um, you know, maybe even almost like a in, more innocent side, you know, how things were back then. Uh, it was about exploration, you know. It was about uh, imagining new possibilities, uh, you know. And today it just seems to be about, you know, overthrowing the big bad government dystopia or, yeah, yeah. you know, just, uh, you know, it's nothing but a soap opera with spaceships and suits, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. I, Not really all that interesting to me. I, I hear you because, I mean, um, like I just started watching these two shows. Um, I guess they're on the Sci-Fi channel. Um, uh, one is The Expanse, and the other one, I guess, is, is Dark Matter, or is Dark Matter a property of, of somebody else? I'm not sure. Oh, yes. Uh-huh. But, I've heard of those. I haven't seen them yet, though. All right. Because it's, 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 it's more, it seems to be a very, very plot-driven. But it doesn't have, it's sort of like Lost the Gee Whiz, wow, we're going into space um, yeah. vibe that, it, that, that science fiction used to have. So um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about, and, and you, you, you mentioned this earlier, how come steampunk doesn't seem to capture our imagination the way it has other people. And I, I think I know my answer, but I'd like to hear yours. Wow. You know, it's a really good question, and I've really thought about it and tried to figure it out. Um, I think that it's just become... Whereas diesel punk is still pretty much a new fandom, um, there's really a lot... I think there's a lot more room for exploration in it. Uh Gosh, I don't want to say this about steampunk because I actually really do like it, and um, but I'm just not really that interested in you know dressing up and cosplaying or doing even much uh, writing with it. I actually do have a steampunk story in the works, but it's not anything like what you might think. <laughs> um, I think it's I don't, I don't want to say that it just seems boring to me. It's not that. It's maybe it's because it's become a little more stratified. Yep. Uh, there's a few. There seems to be a little bit more expectation as to what steampunk has to be, to me. Like when I've tried to do steampunk, I've always I've always felt like I have to meet certain qualifications for it to be considered steampunk. Whereas with diesel, uh, I mean there is this a very similar thing, but it's it just seems to be much more. Uh, I guess maybe because from the 20s to the 50s. If you really look at it, there is such a dynamic 
time of social change and technology and invention. And uh, I, I guess maybe it just seems more exciting to me. It seems like there's more possibility for, uh, and there's also a sense of optimism. You know what I mean? Where uh, society could reach the stars, you know, where t- science could become, you know, a good uh, progressive force in society. You know, where it, Victorian times were very, you know, they were, they're cool, but they seem very downtrodden. You know, uh, there was a lot of, you know, classification in society. Uh, it seemed like a lot of the steampunk stories seem to be about, of course, you know, about breaking through that. Yep. But, um. Uh, as far as like diesel punk and atom punk and uh, some of the 20th century eras go, it just seems so much more optimistic to me. Uh, granted, there were similar, you know, oppressions like, you know, World War One and Two and things like that. But there's also, uh, you know, the uh, the endless optimism of the space age. Um, and again, you know, all this could pr- probably be applied to steampunk as well with imaginative people. But I don't know. Just diesel punk just grabbed me in a way that uh, steam didn't. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I love the Victorian era. It's one of my favorite historical times. But uh, as far as my uh, particular retro future vision goes, I've just been much more attracted to uh, the uh, early decades of the 20th century, if you will. Same here, obviously. I mean. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you look at everything I do. I mean, of course. I mean, that's, hey, that's my era. <laughs> I, I think that one of the things that I, I sort of think is sort of like interesting is that there really wasn't a lot of science fiction out there back in the Victorian era. You had maybe a handful of authors. Um, you had fir- first you had Jules Verne and then later on. And I don't even know if you could qualify um, H.G. Wells as being Victorian. He seems more Edwardian than anything else. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. He, I think he was maybe right at the beginning of the industrial age, uh, the machine age, or, or rather where it started to progress into the 20th century's uh, visions of things. Um, it just seems like once World War One ended, that uh, there was, of course, you know, with the 20s and everything, uh, there was like a this surge of optimism that just seems to like you know come into society. Uh, whereas with uh, Victorian era, it just seemed like the industrial age was you know pretty much just out to uh, you know keep the the classes separated. I guess you could say you know the working poor could never really achieve anything yeah. you know that the nobility could, and just by you know sake of being born who they were. Yeah, you know. Yeah, as uh, World War One kind of seemed to uh, pretty much shatter all that, and uh, all of a sudden, you know, the middle class was the was the new powerhouse, you know, and everybody could afford a car and a house, and you know, have a washing machine, and <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know, of course, it, it, come later, but it it, uh, it it sort of seems like diesel punk and, and the like an atom punk really seem to focus a lot on the meritocracy. Whereas like, if you're like really good at what you do, then of course you can succeed. But for me, the Victorian and the Edwardian section is all about your station. Like where were you born? It took, and it was very hard to break through the class strata, no matter how talented you were or whatever it is. It's uh, if, if, if you were a white male, the sky was the limit. But if, if you were like, even 
it, like myself, it's like if, if you were a mutt or you weren't noble born, um, yeah. you, you couldn't expect to get very high. You couldn't change your station of life very well. And I think that that for me, that's that's a turnoff for steampunk or that's a turnoff for me, period, with the Victorian age. I like the, the notion of people trying to fight and struggle, but I, I know that that's not really realistic. Right. Yeah. You know, and it's uh, for me, I've always and most of my characters as well, with the exception of a few of them, uh, they're all just common working class people. You know, I've got a, a jazz singer slash uh, robotics technician. I've got a hotel concierge who, you know, he's just a normal guy. You know, he's he boxes in his spare time. You know, they're, they're just working class Joes, you know, but they're they accomplish great things. Uh, you know, it, it, partly because their society, you know, is uh, is a little more open that way. It takes more in a diesel punk kind of world. But uh, the steampunk that I'm writing is uh, is actually my version of it. It's uh, I tried to sit down and write a more standard style of steampunk. I have to admit, I was bored within a few pages. <laughs> So I had to put a twist on it, and um, the twist I've put on it is almost more of a horror type. Uh, it's that the world is being invaded by a uh, an evil clown epidemic, you know, supernatural origins, of course. But the main character is a uh, she's an ex circus performer who has turned mercenary, and uh, she's basically uh, one of the few merc clown hunters that you can hire to send out and go into the infected areas. And, you know, if you have to get something something or somebody out of there, she can do it. And uh, it's a, a kind of interesting. It's actually a, uh, a retelling of the classic uh, Victorian children's book, The Black Beauty, about the horse. Yeah. But the, uh, the, yeah, but the horse is an automaton. It's a steam-powered automaton that was uh, – it's got the original lungs, brain, and heart of the, uh, the original horse, which is now dead, but – uh, it lives on as a, so it's kind of an interesting retelling slash horrors. It's I'm calling it splatter steam because it's pretty gory, but um, that's another thing. I for me steampunk sometimes loses some of the punk element if yeah. you know what I mean. Sometimes it gets a little too whimsical. Can probably say the same thing of diesel here and there, but I think diesel punk and atom punk still keeps some more of that kind of gritty raw edge and sometimes steam does too but uh, i see a lot of the very disney-esque you know very uh you know airships in the sky you know we're gonna go discover a new planet or something which is fine but um you know for me i like to have a little bit more of that gritty edge so uh that's why i put that twist on it that i did <laughs> you need you need some of that angst you need you need you need some kind of conflict because without without a little conflict, you cannot have drama. And without drama, well, I mean, what 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 do you have? It, it's a mere travel log. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. that's uh, kind of where it falls for me. <laughs> One of the things I also wanted to ask you is that what 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 is your favorite diesel punk movie, or do you have? Oh one? wow! Oh my gosh, there's quite a few. Um, I love the 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 more kind of shiny, almost deco sides of it. I'm sure you already knew that, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, for me, oh, I've got to say it's a toss up between uh, either uh, Scott Captain in the World of Tomorrow, uh, The Rocketeer, 
there's so many. Um, I'd possibly say those are probably my two favorites. Um, they really capture a lot of the, a uh, little more of the deco side, I guess you could say, you know, I think I'm, I'm naturally a, a really big uh, 1920s uh, enthusiast and 30s as well. So uh, those capture that particular feel really well. And uh, they're just endlessly entertaining. I never get tired of watching either of them. Um, you know, the Flash Gordon epics, you know, which, of course, could be, you know, all the old shows, you know, those could be considered a little more Ray Punk, I guess, if you will, or even Adam on that side. But I still consider them a little more on the Deco Diesel side, uh, even though they're a little bit more uh, space opera-ish. But uh, I've always been a big Flash Gordon fan, so those are another one that I enjoy. Well, here's a question for you here, because the thing is, is that we've talked a lot about this. We've talked to, because we've mentioned diesel punk, deco punk, steampunk. We, mm-hmm. we don't need to talk about anything more about steampunk. But there's also like Ray punk and Adam punk. Now I'm looking, yes. for, now, I'm looking for your definitions of like when, when somebody says to you diesel punk, what's, what comes to your mind? Uh, for me, diesel punk, it's really a lot grittier. Um, it's, uh, you know, it can be a lot of things, actually. I think diesel punk is kind of like maybe the umbrella term that I usually fall back on. I, I don't usually jump up and say, you know, this is deco punk right away, even though it technically is to me. Um, to me, everything is de- is pretty much diesel punk if it draws upon the uh, historical eras from the end of World War One up until maybe like the beginning of the Atomic Age in the 50s. Um, you know, of course, diesel-powered engines, uh, uh, you know, basically co- uh, internal combustion engines, uh, anything that would draw upon as where steam is, you know, steam-powered technology. Uh, to me, diesel naturally represents, you know, a slight advancement in that and to the, uh, what we're more familiar with, you know. Uh, but other than that, a similar blend of past and future technology is really important. Uh, the technology is really Im- represented as really important uh, to me in defining it as such. Uh, but also the aesthetics um, and, uh, you know, of course, the, uh, the tropes involved uh, a lot of those eras, you know, did uh, or were heavily influenced by war, uh, you know, so the, the militaristic side, I generally tend to include more in the uh, the diesel punk uh, area. Uh, Deco for me is much more, I, I hate to say optimistic, but it's maybe a little bit more of a, so, a social or cultural perspective, maybe. Uh, the war is always more of just a backdrop in any of those. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, So for me, it's more probably about, uh, I don't know, it's hard to, it's kind of hard to describe uh, what would be the difference really between the two other than I'd have to sit down and actually read it or watch it. But I, yeah, I think that uh, maybe that deco punk would, for me would be just a little bit more on the, aesthetic side artistic um, where diesel would be a little bit more technical a little more uh you know gritty a little greasier uh you know rumbling engines whereas deco would probably be more like you know a a chromed streamlined rocket you Mm -hmm. know with uh 
a few, and a lot of my deco punk also has uh, a lot of cyberpunk thrown into it. Um, you know, just to kind of a few things here and there. You know, plausibly explain how they have things like you know space travel and uh, anti gravity and whatnot. And uh, so that I and I'm a big cyberpunk fan as well. So I've uh, which I actually include in retrofuturism now. Uh, cyberpunk is uh, is actually retrofuture. <laughs> it is now. Yeah, so um, you know, I I I like to blend things. You know, I, I've never I'm never purely diesel or purely deco or any of that. Uh, I think mostly I I kind of base it along what type of technology is used in my own determination of what's what. Um, Ray punk uh, would probably be something more a little more space oriented, of course. Uh, Ray Punk and Adam Punk to me are very closely aligned, and uh, Deco as well. It would seem to be like sort of that old '30s comic book style, Buck Rogers, mm. uh, ray guns, uh, you know, spaceships, riveted rockets, uh, you know, crazy aliens. Ray Punk to me is more of that. Uh, Adam Punk can be a number of things, but uh, for me, it's been kind of like an overlay of the. Uh, the uh, social time of the 1950s, you know, that very, like, atomic power will save us all, you know, and uh, a very kind of, like, naive and uh, optimistic view of atomic power, but in a universe where it actually works, you yes. know, so, uh, yeah, so that's kind of where my uh, my atom punk views come from. Uh, Steven and I are actually co-writing an atom punk series, which will take place about three decades after the novel I'm writing. Um, it's like the same people, society, if you will, same timeline, but it's bumped forward into their version of the 50s. And that's just been endless fun. I've only written a couple of, of short stories in that universe so far, but we've got a, it's pretty detailed. We've got it all planned out, and uh, once I finish the current works, we'll start working on that. So The, the thing is, is that we keep throwing around the word punk, whether it's for steampunk, atom punk, diesel punk, obviously. But the thing is, is that what's with the word punk and what and and what does it mean and what should it mean? I mean, I know what the original meaning of the word is, but it's sort of evolved. What is what is the the suffix um, uh, punk mean to you and what should it mean? You know, I have uh, actually pondered that a lot. Um because ever since I started writing punk fiction, uh, I actually started writing cyberpunk uh, back in the uh, mid-90s. I started writing a cyberpunk novel. It kind of fizzled out along the way, but I actually planned to go back to it and resurrect it eventually. Um, punk, to me, has always been uh, a sense of individuality. Uh, it's always been, and that's kind of why I tend to... Uh, disagree with a lot of the marginalization of steampunk not all of it there is some that's actually very good um and still very uh, visionary but punk to me is always getting not really against the status quo but rather a uh a what if if you will it's always a question uh if i really want to get into the notion of punk it gets down to me to almost a sense of rebellion against authority, um, just anything that would try to uh, limit something, uh, anything that would try to put a label on something, and I know that goes kind of against everything of what the punk genres can be, you know, the punk 
genres themselves or labels, I guess you could say. But uh, I like to take it beyond that. Um, you know, if something starts to look too, uh, too, I guess you could say, marginalized, it's kind of a hard word to describe, but if something looks like it's getting too bland, you know, too uh, stratified, then I try to find a way to break that. Um, I'm always looking for, uh, you know, new visions. Um, usually mine tend to be uh, against authority, <laughs> as punk usually was. Uh, you know, those parts of society, especially, you know, in, in, for example, in our current political system, you know, it, I do put a lot of modern and uh, current events into my work. Uh, it, a lot of it drives what I do, um, you know, hate to say I channel my angst, you know, but I do. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's what it's there for. Yeah. So for me, punk, when I was young, you know, punk, of course, was, you know, punk rock, you know, which has always kind of like flavored the word punk for me, if you will. It, me personally, if it doesn't have that sense of, you know, individuality in your face, you know, I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. You know, and, uh, you know, to hell with everything else. It, it, I, I enjoy having that sense of individuality and uh, rebellion in most of the punk fiction I write. Um, my characters never really even do what I want them to. So yeah. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> how that works. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then as far as retrospect station goes, you know, I've... We've, I wouldn't say that that's even as much of a punk view. Some of it is, but we've always tried to, you know, once again, you know, kind of break away a little from what you might see on some of the other retro punk, steampunk or diesel punk pages. You know, we throw a little of it here up in there, but we try to keep that very big, very uh, dreaming, uh, open, optimistic view of, you know, how uh, the visions of the past could uh, could still be a part of a future aesthetically, you know, uh, just in general, um, trying to keep people's minds open. We're in a society that continually seems to try and close us off and, uh, divide us. So um, it's really important to it, to me. Yeah, I think, I think that that's important for a lot of us. I mean, especially because the thing is, is that it's like, I mean, as hard as I try and be apolitical, they, it's, it's just like the Godfather. They just, I, they just keep sucking me back in. And it, it was, um, I think that a lot of the punk movement, whether or not it's the original, I mean, like the, like the punk back in the 80s when it was like, it was so about, it was about anti-establishment. And, yes. and it was always about um, rejecting the societal norms. And it's always been about shunning um, authority figures. And the thing is, is that it is one of the reasons why that I've sort of lost interest with steampunk is that there's been a lot of there's been a couple of people, a lot of quasi celebrities who have been trying to sink their meat hooks and their trademarks into steampunk. And there's been a lot yes. of fights with one celebrity in particular, I think, 
who is trying to be the advocate of all things or the arbiter of all things steampunk. Like, she has to be the authority on what is and what is not steampunk. And I think that what she's really more trying to do is trying to uh, get a foothold into the steampunk border sort of over-sexualized version of steampunk. And I don't think that that's what the punk movement is all about. The punk movement was always about anti-establishment, as it were. And yeah, then, and then, I fully agree with that. Mm-hmm. And there are some, I mean, there's and, and there's a couple of pseudo celebrities who are trying to become the authority of an anti-authority uh, movement, as it were. Whereas steam uh, diesel punk is more like, look, dude, I'm going to do whatever I want within the style guidelines of the 1930s and 40s, and then I'm going to break out of that as well, incorporating all whatever I want. Yeah, you know, whether- exactly. I fully agree with that. Um, it seems to just be like a, I don't know, it's like once it became really popular and more mainstream, and there's nothing wrong with that, but as which happens with, sadly, with most uh, fandoms, I can name a couple others, it seems like it just becomes, uh, people have to put labels on things, you know, and uh, that's that's fine in itself, but when you get people arguing about what is and what isn't, and that seems to be pretty rampant in, in steampunk, unfortunately, a little in diesel, but not quite as much, I think, probably because it's still so new. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely an issue. Well, here's a question for you. Do you think that there is any one person who is trying to become the arbiter of everything that is diesel punk, or is diesel punk still pretty much... Uh, you know, uh, a a chaotic free-for-all. I still think, I think it's getting a little bit more defined. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, a lot of the communities that have sprung up here and there, um, some of the groups I'm in, the people I've met uh, have, uh, we've really been out to, you know, kind of give it more of a face. Um, You know, but as we said, you know, there's so much variety within diesel punk, whereas with steam, it's just, it's a little more limited aesthetic aesthetics and uh you know and and what uh you can really do with that level of technology whereas diesel you know there's a an endless limit i i just i love the uh the variety of you know eras uh just everything you know space travel was just coming in uh you know the war aside you know the basically it seems like technology became a part of the common man's uh, rise out of, you know, obscurity. Uh, Whereas technology in, uh, again, in the steampunk era was, you know, used to kind of define who you were Uh, in the diesel era. It seems like there was just, you know, you could be anybody, you know, even if you were, you know, just some kid from a country town, you could grow up and become, you know, in in a diesel punk world, you could be the captain of a, you know, of a, spaceship somewhere or you could you know be piloting a mech through you know some kind of desert warfare you know and become the captain of there just seems like a, a never-ending it's hard to say you know i just i love the uh the lack of limits it seems to me yeah. like it, it, i wouldn't call it so much a free-for-all there definitely is a certain flavor i guess you could say that it should have to be considered diesel but um not not as uh, rigid, you know, it's definitely still got much more of an organic feel to it. And as an artist, that really appeals to me. Uh, so, 
I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, more people will step forward and eventually put a face to diesel punk. But, um, you know, as it is now, a lot of people, when I, when I bring it up, they give me that sort of deer in the headlights look like, what the heck are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was just, this is, uh, but I mean, would you want to be the face of diesel punk? Cause I'm not sure if I would. No. Um, uh, and, you know, as you said, I think I'm very flattered that you say that, you know, that, you know, I would be a source to come to for any kind of, uh, you know, questions about punk. I, I've always considered myself sort of an ambassador for it. Um, you know, ever since I discovered it, it changed my life. I can honestly say that diesel punk has changed my life. Uh, but um, I don't think I would ever want to be pinpointed as, you know, a face for it. Um an ambassador and a you know promoter of course but uh i i i like the idea that there really isn't a face to diesel punk um really there are individuals within it who you know embody the the ideals of what i of what i think it means but uh i love the the room for open interpretation um you know the endless variety that it has right now is very appealing to me um, I think it ever, if it ever became more limited and, uh, you know, and more labeled as steampunk is, I, you know, I might turn around and have to try and find a way to break that down. <laughs> yeah. That's the punk in me right there. And just be like, no, sorry, that's not it. <laughs> no, I, I think turn that, because <laughs> the thing is, is that I bristle at the fact that, um, there's some people who are trying to take ownership of it and make a profit off of it. And try and take it away from yeah. people like you and myself and 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 Johnny, uh, um, uh, Johnny Pika from the Diesel yeah. Powered Podcast, um, mm-hmm. and it was just like it, but it but it hasn't happened yet because I think that there's an army of us who have seen what's sort of become of steampunk, and we've sort of like we we've we we've drawn the line in the sand and we said. No, that we're not. No, we're not going to allow that to happen. And that the groups that you and I belong to mm-hmm. are, are we've like one of the like the Diesel Punk HQ, whereas it's like there's a sign on the door, there's a virtual sign at the door that says, hey, listen, there are so many other steampunk groups out there. Let's keep this one Diesel Punk. Yes. Mm-hmm. And two thumbs up to, to Andrew and, uh, you know, and Stuart and uh, Dave and Giles who run that group. Um, I'm one of the admins there, too. But, uh, uh, yeah, that group is just really great. Um, it's really uh, been a place for, you know, for people like us to come together, you know, and put heads together, you know, discuss. Uh, but, yeah, um, it's uh, it's definitely I don't even think diesel punk even has the appeal uh, to the masses yet that um, that steam does. And that's probably why it's never really taken off. Um, Diesel punk really makes you look hard at the um, at the little grittier sides of reality. You know, where steam you can it's maybe it's because it's a little bit further back in history. You know what I mean? And a lot of us don't really remember some of the uh, the uglier sides of the Victorian area or era i should say as much but uh you know the 20s and 30s and 40s you know a lot of us some of us you know are old enough to remember them you know for me it was my grandparents you know they were really um my grandfather was in world war ii 
uh, and he built radios and they always had music and movies around their house, you know. So for me, in a way, I almost felt like I kind of was influenced by those eras growing up, you know. So it's much more personal to me, um, you know, the the diesel era, the, the historical thing, uh, elements that it draws upon are, are really deeply ingrained in me. And, uh, I, I love them, uh, with, you know, a very personal, uh, a personal attachment that I just don't have to the Victorian, uh, to me, the Victorian area is almost seems like a, like a story, you know, or like history, whereas diesel is a very, very personal, very, uh, deeply ingrained, uh, passion in me. Yeah. And it makes it, me back to a better time you know whereas times now you know even though they weren't necessarily all that much more optimistic than they are now uh to me it feels that way because you know it's when i was innocent when i was a kid you know my grandparents seemed like saints even though i knew they weren't you know but yeah. it's just uh <laughs> and they were giants me, they were, so it's that feel I think another element of this that I've been trying to sort of put my finger on and i think that you just awoken something inside is that I've been trying to emulate the people that I have looked up to when I was growing up, when I was a kid. I remember we had a neighbor um, in one of the neighborhoods where we lived, Mr. Audette, and he was a World War I and World War II veteran, if I remember correctly. And, oh, wow. And he, and he had paraphernalia from the 20s, 30s, and 40s, and maybe 50s, I don't remember... If you had a lot of stuff in the 50s, I mean, how, how would I know? But the thing is, is that I mean, he, he was a local hero. He sort of he commanded respect oh, yeah. from a lot of people. Yeah. And mm -hmm. he and he was the he was if and he was the guy. Whereas here's here's a guy who is a tall, thin, slender man who always wore at least part of a suit, the slacks, the polished shoes the dress shirt and the fedora. And whenever that there was a problem, he was the guy who was always standing there with his, with his balled up fists on his, on his waist saying, well, now hold on there, people. Let's, let's not go crazy yet. Let's, let's look at the facts here. Well, let's not go yeah. off. And I remember, I remember he was the guy who introduced me to the phrase half cocked. Let's not go. Let's let's not go half cocked here. That was you could count on him to say that at least twice or three times a day, reminding people not to go off half cocked. And I and I and I asked him, where did where did that come from? What what is what does half cocked mean? This is and he said, boy, have you ever fired a gun? <laughs> I said, no. Well, then there's no explaining it to you. Then is there? Just a character. <laughs> who was always had a trademark look to him. Like he, he was an extra from a Bogart movie. If he wasn't Bogart himself. And it's like, and I look that's, at, go ahead. Oh, so that's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> he sounds like a really cool guy. Yeah, he was, he really was. And he was like, even after people left the neighborhood, you always had to, pay your respects to Mr. Audette who lived in the same apartment for years after year after year. So, but I think that's it. I think that we're trying to emulate the, 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 the people who we looked up to from that era. Am, am I wrong? Am I, am I off base? Not at all. Um, you know, and in fact, just hearing you talk about Mr. Audette, um, yes, I, I fully agree. I, I think we have an, a natural nostalgia 
for uh, that time. And I'd say that that time in American history, especially with on the decline as it is now, um, uh, it seems to be that those were kind of like our golden years, if you will. You know, you want to talk about when America was great. I think everybody kind of looks back to those decades as, you know, you know, as we, of course, World War One and World War Two were not pleasant, you know, but, you know, America really did come out at the forefront during that time, you know, and, and the world in general, you know, just kind of seemed to like be more on the progressive side, you know, more on the upbeat. And so people who lived during that time had it, they had a much different perspective. Um, they had to do with very little. Uh, so they have a very realistic perspective, um, but also optimistic as well. It seems like, you know, for my grandparents, for example, who I totally look up to, as well as uh, how you describe Mr. Rodette, you know, they just always had this sense of style, the sense of uh, think anything could be possible. Um, maybe it came because they grew up during that time period. Um, you know, maybe it was just something that society had that we've kind of just lost sight of now. Uh, but, um, I know my grandparents were the same way. They, uh, you know, they always, whenever you went out, you dressed up, you know, you, uh, you go downtown, you, you know, you don't go out looking like a slob, you know, nowadays people step outside, you know, and they're wearing yoga pants and flip flops and, you know, back then it, there was a certain sense of self pride that, uh, I think, um, a lot of people nowadays, I mean, I'm not saying I don't go out in my sweats every now and then, you know, but there's a. There's an aesthetic to the early decades of the 20th century, which, um, you know, everything was uh, was really classy. You know, I guess is a good word. Um, you know, even the, the poorest people uh, seemed to do try and do the best with what they had, you know, and, uh, and there was opportunities for everyone, you know. So maybe that for the first time in history, you know, the kids that grew up during those decades – uh, you know, had that uh, that sense of optimism uh, that, uh, you know, we still have today, of course, you know, but I don't know. I, for sometimes, I, I, you know, I start thinking maybe the kids nowadays just don't seem to have that same sense of wonder. You know, everything's put, put on a plate for us and we're told what it is, you know, whereas back then everything was still... You know, there was a much more, a lot more wonder, a lot more uh, dreams, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think that this also gets back to a lot of the images that you, that you show on the group. Is that this is this is not the 21st century that I was promised. This is not the world of 2001: A Space Odyssey. Uh, right? Yeah. And it was just, I mean, I remember seeing all the optimistic science fiction movies a, a, a fine example is the second half or the second quarter of of, of things to come the, the the movie that was made out of the H.G. Wells book that was made back in the 20s or 30s just as sound became a thing in 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 um, in movies this is not the future that i was promised this is not the this is not the the 21st century that was depicted in the science fiction art that you keep posting on on your group and i think that that maybe mm -hmm. that might be the reason why another reason why as it were that diesel punk is so popular with people like you and myself and all the people at diesel punk hq and and all the other all the, the websites in between yeah what do you think 
I fully agree with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think that, um, you know, it's just, we, yeah, we seem to have lost a sense of vision of the future. I mean, and in fact, a lot of the science fiction, I'd probably say for the past 15 years or so, has been very more oppressive, more negative. You know, I don't want to say that that's a bad thing, you know, especially with what we're facing now. But um, Especially what we're facing now. Yeah, um, science fiction has become, you know, for example, the Matrix, the Terminator, you know, all the, you know, the the overtake of the machine, you know, where technology is more of an enemy than than an ally, you know. Uh, but it goes beyond that too. It's it, people just this. I mean, dystopian futures are, you know, very viable. Of course, they are, you know, especially now. And you know, I've got a few dystopian things through my work too, but. I miss the sense of utopia that the old uh, science fiction had a lot of times, you know, where, uh, you know, you know, and you mentioned the, the H.G. Wells movie, um, you know, that was definitely one of them. But it just seemed like people had more hope for what the future could become. Nowadays, nobody wants to think about what's going to happen tomorrow because they're terrified to step out their door, you know, and yeah. back it's uh, yeah. I definitely think it's become darker, um, a lot less hope, and I think that's entirely a reflection of what's going on in politics and society in general around the world. Um, yeah. You know, it, it's it's reality, you know. But for me, science fiction has always been about imagining alternate realities. You know, another reality, whether it's based in historical tropes or you know just pure science fiction in, yeah. in general. The vision, the dreams, the hope is really important to me, you know, and I think a lot of that stems from, uh, you know, from the whole diesel punk, uh, those, that particular time period, you know, up and even, I'd, even I'd say all the way up until the 70s and 80s, even, um, just all of the science fiction and, uh, and, you know, pop culture back then did have a, a much more optimistic view, which is sadly lost in a lot of our current, uh, current media and, uh, yeah, and yeah. Uh, popular culture. So it's a, it's a sad thing. Hope um, That's what one thing I hope to do with my own art is to break that. <laughs> Get, Get out of that. Because we are coming into the 2020s. You know, we're due for another cultural revolution. So the last one was in the 60s. <laughs> well, well, now, one of the things, one of the things I, I also wanted to talk to you about and... Um, activism within the slash punk um, genre or the community activism yeah. within our own communities that we belong to. Um, and, and, you know, I've, I've been critical of everything that's been going on, regardless of who's been in office for maybe the past 30 years, maybe. Um, yep. the first, the first, the first election that I, that I could actually vote in was the, was in 1988. And ever since then, I've been very critical of a lot of things that I see going on that a lot of things that we were warned about in, in, in cyberpunk, whereas is like you have the, uh, um, we have social media. That's great, but we also have the NSA, the CIA, um, the, the 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 DOJ. We have the Department of Homeland Security using electronic media to monitor all of us, and we have this. We have these things that 
that cyberpunk really said, hey, you got to watch out. It's really great that you have a smartphone until Big Brother starts using the smartphone to keep track of you. Um, how much do you think activism is important in the slash punk movement? Uh, I got to be dead honest. It's extremely important to me as an artist. You know, maybe some people are just in it for the aesthetics or the entertainment value. But to me, it embodies everything that the word punk stands for. Again, uh, I have drawn endlessly upon uh, my own personal opinions and viewpoints of what's currently happening in things and seeded that through my work, um, especially my current story that I'm working on right now is about to become a very, I wouldn't say identical mirror to what's going on right now, but uh, there is definitely a lot of parallels going on and that even I wasn't aware of when I started the project. Uh, I think it's endlessly important to be aware of what's going on, and I think art does not. I think art almost has a duty to step up and uh, and to make those connections, and uh, you know, to hold up a mirror to society and be, you know, hey, take a good long look at what's happening here. You know what I mean? This is uh, it's really important. Um, you know, sure, anybody can write, you know, a fantasy story or you know, make a, an entertaining movie that just, you know, we this is fun. We're going on an adventure, you know. But really, I mean, what's going on uh, under, you know, beneath the scenes there? You know, it's yeah, uh, yeah. you know, politics and you know, and uh, you know, corporations aside, you know, there's a. There's a battle going on inside each and every one of us right now, you know, and a lot of people that I thought were actually, you know, it, it's sad when a political situation casts a reflection upon people in my own personal circle that I know and love and makes me kind of question a few things about them, you know, that I never had before, you know, but it's kind of that sort of thing, you know, I'm using my art to put it out there in an objective way, you know, for myself and for others to see, but especially for myself, you know, it's kind of like my way of trying to make sense of what's going on. Uh, but I definitely think that it's very important. Um, you know, steampunk does have a lot of, uh, of that as well. And so does diesel. Uh, but, um, you know, the activism is really important, uh, to me as a, as an art writer and an artist, and uh, just a retrofuturist in general. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, learning from the past to gain a better vision of the future is uh, really important. Uh, so um, one more question before the last question, as it were. How much, how much retro do you, do you wear every day? I know that sounds like a real fluff question, but... <laughs> <laughs> wow, you know, um, actually, uh, of course, you know, to work and, and at home in general, I don't, but, uh, oh yeah, when I go out, um, I've definitely been putting together a much more of a retro uh, style. Most of my current, uh, current look has been especially inspired by the 1920s and 30s. Um, I really enjoy a little bit more of a gothic flair. I've always kind of been that that way. <laughs> but uh, I've found a really nice medium between uh, a sort of uh, old silent film vamp, kind of dark, I guess you could say, silent film starlet look mixed with like a little bit of a goth cyberpunk look. 
uh, a lot of the aesthetics of my of my stories come through uh, in that. Um, but yeah, I, I do enjoy dressing up. Sometimes I'll wear you know like a, a pair of deco earrings or you know just a, I, I enjoy wearing whatever I can and getting away with it. <laughs> But yeah, I'll dress up full on, full on what I call deco punk when I go out. Uh, you know, sometimes Stephen will too. He'll wear his plus fours and his, you know, his flat cap, and then we'll dress up and go out like that. Uh, but um, you know, in general, we try to just. Uh, I I would love to, to wear it twenty four seven to be dead Same honest. Same here. I, well, I, I could get with it. <laughs> you know, I I try as much as I can to to to. Uh, to be as as uh, retro punk as I possibly can. I mean, obviously, um, and it was just like. And but the thing is, is that thanks to the internet, it's actually a lot easier now than it was twenty years ago. Oh, by far, yeah. You know, and I scour the thrift stores and things like that. But most of the things I've found have been through uh, either handcrafted or vintage sites uh, like Etsy and eBay. Yeah. Um, I can find a lot of things there, but um, I'm also getting into uh, crafting a lot of my own uh, accessories now. Um, I'm really interested in that kind of cosplay. I've done a little of it. I'm put some photos up on my pages here and there. Uh, but uh, for me, it's also been a way to promote my uh, my Retro Future series. Um, one of one of the characters in that particular series uh, dresses the way I would love to dress, uh, Octavia Blaine. You know, kind of a mix between Erte, Theta Barra, and, uh, you know, other old film stars like Greta Garbo. And, you know, just a very, you know, very classy, you know, but yet with a sort of ethereal sort of uh, sort of glamour to it, if you will. I've always enjoyed that myself. So, yeah. <laughs> so I wanna, before I let you go, and I want to give you plenty of time to talk about your writing. Now, is there a place where people can, can go and get your writing and, and, and read what you've written so far? Oh, absolutely. Um, I still consider, consider myself a budding writer, <laughs> even though I've been particularly seriously writing for only about a year and a half. I've you know, been crafting stories since I was a kid, but uh, most of my work right now can be found online, um, and I do have a, a hardcover copy of my book available on Amazon. Uh, the story I'm working on right now um, is still in the works. I plan on it's the first draft is finished, but I need to get uh, it uh, revised and hopefully get that out later this year. But uh, currently, my website is at uh, www. Uh, hollygonzalez1.com uh, the number one at the end uh, that's basically my writing blog and general uh, promotion page for my work um, I have a lot of stories up on Wattpad as well which is a free reading platform uh, and there's a link to that and a lot of the works that are up there from that website uh, Wattpad is just a place for me to just showcase and reach people and have fun so uh, you know most of the stuff that's up there is just you know i've got some short stories some sample chapters i do have the full uh the full versions of my uh diesel punk novel perfect world somewhere and it's accompanying story children of the war there as well those are developmental character stories for my main novel which is a i've described as an alternate uh history Space opera deco punk satire. I know that's a mouthful, but <laughs> that's the closest I've been able to describe it as. But uh, there's a few few chapters of that up there as well. So, 
Um, all right. Well, on- and, and obviously, you're going to have to send me all the links so I can put up on the show page. Absolutely. I will do that. Yeah. All right. Okay. So I, th- I think that it was like to just sort of wrap this up. What, what's in the future for Retropunk for 2017? You know, I expect to see it, especially as we get closer to 2020. I, ex- I really do expect to see a lot of steering away from more of the oppressive, especially with the way things are going right now in society. I think people are going to be absolutely starving for this more optimistic view that you and I have discussed. Uh, I think people are going to start remembering, you know, the, the past that we come from was full of ideas and, you know, just open-ended possibility, you know, and I think people are going to be really hungry for that as we get closer and closer to, uh, you know, this new, this new decade. Um, I think that uh, the twenties are going to become, kind of a thing in commercial pop culture and that it's, it'll probably just go from there. You know, people will start mining the rest of the decades for, uh, but I, I agree. I think that this is going to be a really exciting and important time um, that people are going to start looking again to the past for more reminders that the future doesn't have to be as grim and oppressive as we all are being fed, uh, you know, by media and uh, and politics and pop culture right now. We, you know, the, the day we stop dreaming is the day that we're lost, you know. So uh, I would really hope and, you know, and I expect to see as well that art and uh, media and, uh, you know, society in general is going to return to that sense of wonder um, that I mentioned earlier, you know, which to me is like the backbone of all science fiction, speculative fiction in general. And uh, I hope that it continues that way. Yeah, I do. I do, too. And, um, and you know, I, I think that with the Internet, the Internet is is the the most obvious um, offspring of the of the uh, the Gutenberg press. The, the notion that it's like anybody who has a thought and idea and, and can and, and our wordsmiths are able to get the word out and self-publish. And I think that that's a gr- one of the greatest things to happen in society. I, I think that I think that you're absolutely totally right, and I'm very excited about how are the how are the ni- how the styles of the 1920s going to be reinterpreted in the upcoming decade. I'm excited about that. I'm also a little apprehensive because you know <laughs> yeah. the fashion industry has a great way of screwing up a good thing. Um, <laughs> but I, I'm also you know, and I'm going to say something, and it was just like I'm looking forward to the subversive. Uh, media, the subversive music, and uh, and uh, I, I'd also like to see a return uh, of big band swing and jazz. But I mean, yeah, I'm old fashioned that way. Oh, believe me, I'm there with you. I'd love to see it too. I mean, I already listen to it all. You know, electro swing and and the old classics. Yeah, you know, goes back to my grandparents. You know, that music takes me back and to a more innocent time. You know, a happier time. It makes me feel good you know on the yeah. inside and yeah uh, i agree i would love to see all that come back you know there are some very good electro swing acts out there but a lot of it can get kind of you know repetitive kind of sterile stale yeah. i guess so i mean you know i'm pretty picky and selective about what i listen to in, in general i prefer the more uh live performance yeah. style you know it, Less electronic loops and more live instruments, you know, yeah. performance. 
uh, I'd like to see it head more that direction. Yeah. So hopefully like, it does. Like my, <laughs> my, my new favorite band is a postmodern jukebox. Oh, yes, they're great. I love the postmodern jukebox. Yeah. Is there somebody else that you like that you want to give a shout out to? Oh, of course. Uh, Caravan Palace uh, is fantastic. Um, Squirrel Nut Zippers, which is more of a neo swing, but I, I love them. Um, also, uh, I, I'm a big fan of Alice Francis. Uh, she's a little, she's a little more on the electronics hip hop slash side, but I think she's just great. I think she's got a lot of style and, uh, she embodies a lot of that, uh, you know, very flapper energy. Um, I love her to pieces. She's actually a really great person too. Uh, so very, very down to earth. Um, so, you know, I, more of that very, uh, you know, I guess you could say the, it's a style, but mixed with a modern aesthetic, you know, just uh, without being pretentious about it, you know. So I hope we see a lot more of that uh, type of entertainment emerging in I, 2020. I, 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 I hear you. I hear you. So anyway, I have got to have, because I have so many other questions for you. I, there are so many things that it's like I, I want to be able to ask you in the future here. So I mean, I'm kind of hoping that you keep your calendar free. Um, or at least give me a heads up when, when, when you have some time free so we can have another conversation like this. Because I still ha I have so many things I want to be able to ask you. Oh, absolutely. And uh, also my husband, Stephen, um, also a very avid retrofuturist, uh, he was also very interested in joining you sometime. Uh, possibly we could even do it together. Or Oh, of course. Or if you want to join him. He is uh, a, uh, I guess you could say, interested in 50s, the 1950s Adam Punk type stuff, but he put, he channels that into his music. And uh, also right now he's involved in a project that's uh, mixing rock and roll, 50s rock and roll punk aesthetics with bluegrass, which is really interesting. Would, would, you, so, would, uh, <laughs> you, would you please send me a link and maybe even a couple of audio files that I, could, I can sample for the show? Absolutely. Oh, that's, that's yeah. great. Absolutely. So anyway, I'm going to have to let you go. And uh, it's tonight's tonight's been a special treat for me because I've been dying to do this show with you for the longest time. So anyway, fantastic. Yeah. All right. I will talk to you again really soon. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. This has been the Federal Chronicles Radio Show number 64. Please be sure to check out this episode show page to find Holly's links. FedoraChronicles.com slash podcast slash episode dash 64.html. Don't forget to check out our sponsor, the Trinity Whip Company. Traditionally made kangaroo whips, top quality craftsmanship in form as well as function. Handcrafted by Blake Burning. TrinityWhipCo.com. Once again, this has been the Fedora Chronicles Radio Show. You can support us by making a donation via paypal.me slash Fedora Chronicles. We thank you in advance for any support you have to offer. You're the reason why we do this show, and we appreciate your help in keeping the lights on. You can also support the show by buying our products at zazzle.com slash Fedora Chronicles. We have countless of products with our logos on them, and we also take special requests. If you have an idea for a product, design, slogan, whatever, let us know. You can get in touch with us via the Fedora Chronicles Twitter and Facebook pages. That's a great way to suggest future topics, tell us what you like about the show, or just keep in touch. We'll even read some of your comments on the air. Finally, thank you once again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. This is Eric Renderking Fisk signing off. 
Keep your chins up and your fedoras on.